Landon, most people consider Cameron Johnson at pick 11, the reach of the draft. What do you think? 100% because he's a guy where you think his ceiling might be around 20 for a playoff team that really could use his skill set, which is elite shooting. But he's an okay athlete. He's older. He has hip problems with both hips. He's an average defender. And for Phoenix, they won 19 games. And what they have to show for it from the season is Dario Saric and Cameron Johnson. It seems to me a lot of poorly run organizations in all sports will do this. They'll go a certain route, and then they will overreact and do the opposite. And they took high-ceiling guys. Josh Jackson, obviously, just two seasons in, it's pretty clear that his behavior off the court is just not going to work, and he has not developed on the court. And it seems like this is a reaction to those hits and misses, right? Johnson is an excellent shooter, but he has the limitations that you very well said there. It just seems like, to me, poor leadership. People are constantly on Sarver as I would maybe the worst uh, owner in sports, and it's just getting I, – I don't know. I just don't see it. They have some talent there, but – and they will be fun on offense. I think he'll be a good offensive weapon. He's he's older. He's one of the older lottery picks in recent memory. He's got some health issues, but he's a good guy and a good shooter, and I think they're trying to overcorrect, and I don't think that's how accumulating talent works. P.J. Washington was the pick for – uh, the Charlotte Hornets, uh, he seems like a typical sort of, we talked on this podcast last week, how they pick a lot of known guys. They pick a lot of known quantities from uh, big conferences. Uh, I do like P.J. Washington a lot. I think he'll be a good player there. I heard uh, someone say on a podcast that ideally um, he would play uh, the four, but the way they do things in Charlotte, he may play the three a lot. I do think overall he's a really good value at 12, right? I think so. When we did our personal mock draft, I had Washington at 14, I believe, to the Celtics. So the early teens was the range I first saw in. Like you, like you said, he went early teens. And I think he fits well with their lottery pick from last year, Miles Bridges. He can run Bridges and Washington at the three and the four. But I'm really just surprised that Michael Jordan didn't have them pick a big white guy. Well, I, I think he's being more hands-off as it goes, although I'm sure you like this pick. We'll just see. They just seem kind of mired in this on the brink of the playoff type team and um, they need a star and I think they're going to lose their one star. It's just going to be really interesting to see with them. I do like PJ Washington as a shooter and a player as an effort guy. And uh, I think he's a good value there. Tyler Harrow goes 13th to Miami. I, I thought he would go just a few picks later. Excellent energy guy, excellent shooter, a lot of confidence. I, I thought, Jay Billis, I think, is a smart guy and probably a good guy. He kind of gets on my nerves a little bit. Like, we get it, you're older. And I like Tyler Harrow's um, suit and the whole thing. I like the confidence. like an interesting kid. 6'6", 192. I know a big thing for you is how short his arms are, right? Yeah, he's got a 6'3 wingspan, so he's got a negative 3 height-to-weight wingspan. And there just aren't that many players in the NBA at any position at any level that don't have a plus wingspan or at least a neutral wingspan. Yeah, it just seems like you'd be limited defensively in this league with all the athletes and all the length, but we'll, we'll see. The guy can shoot and he's got a lot of confidence, but, you know, 13, you want to try to get a, a player with some upside. We'll, we'll see about him. Miami has a pretty good track record at this position, so uh, we'll, we'll see. Boston, obviously, coming into the night, it's going to be really interesting. I thought they would package picks. I don't think they had a play to make there. 
So they wound up moving around, but they still uh, wound up with four draft picks for the evening. First pick was Romeo Langford. I know a guy you were really high on uh, when he came out of high school. We heard so much about the thumb injury. I don't think the guy is going to be an elite shooter anytime soon anyway. I do like Romeo Langford. I don't know who I would have picked for them. I don't know. It's weird that they wanted a wing. They obviously are pretty high on him because I don't know that they necessarily need that position. But Romeo Langford, to me, is the second coming of Marcus Smart. Uh, I don't know about that because... Yeah, I, I think he needs to be good defensively, not a great shooter, good heart guy, kind of a chip on his shoulder, good leader. I, I know it, that doesn't seem clear to everybody, but just think about that. I, I think he's got that potential. They share an agent, and I think Boston kind of fell in love with him in this process. Well, also, Marcus Smart is probably a top two at worst defender at the guard position in the leagues. And Langford probably projects to be... Defender. Right now, he looks like he'll be in a bit of a above-average guy. Nothing to get super excited about, but he's not going to be a detriment to your defense. Potential, though, athletically and physically. Uh, I think he's got to be the potential to be a really good perimeter defender, and he'll certainly learn a lot from that coaching staff and from Smart himself. Uh, overall, uh, who was on the table that you thought would have been a better fit for Boston? Anybody? No, not really. Here I thought with Horford and Kyrie Lee, it's really the young guys and some veterans they can sign. So you might as well take a high upside guy because – Right now, you got Tatum and Brown as your guys, as your core. Everyone else that was there didn't really fit and really move the needle. Maybe Doomboya, who went the, the next pick, he could play a bit more of the four if Marcus Morris ends up leaving. But my only thing with the Langford pick is they have so many guys who play that two to three position. So Marcus Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Goran Hayward. That's going to be really hard for Langford to see the court. And, I, and ideally... You want your lottery pick to see the court a good bit as a rookie. So at 15, I know you were high on Sekou Domboya uh, from Guinea. Uh, a lot of people thought that he had higher upside than Ryu Hachimura. And is a younger player with uh, sim- similar physical skills. Detroit does some pretty interesting stuff to me, and I think they're building a pretty good team. Uh, I don't know what their ceiling is overall, but I like this pick. Yeah, I, I really like it too because... I think that Doomboya can fit with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, which they're locked into as their centerpiece for the next couple of years. And as we know now, it looks like their ceiling is around a bottom three playoff team that might get into the second round every once in a while, assuming health goes right. Which you can't assume because Blake Griffin has a massive ex- Griffin has an extensive injury history. So they took a high upside guy that can maybe push them a bit further. And with Doomboya, he's Got elite athleticism. He projects to be a good defender. He just has so much potential on a team that's kind of stuck in the water right now. In 16, your favorite team took uh, Chumba Okiki from Auburn. This is one of those picks where it was a big surprise, I think, to a lot of folks. And But I've heard nothing but praises uh, over the last few days since this pick. Bottom line is the guy's physically talented, a really good player, seems to be a high-character guy, and can absolutely shoot the lights out for his size, right? I really think the reason it was a shocking pick was because, obviously, he tore his ACL against North Carolina. So he didn't even finish his college career on a high note playing in his last game. And obviously, he can't work out in the pre-draft process. He can't do workouts. He can't get measurements. So it was really just, hey, this guy that was starting to find his groove in college, who tore his ACL, he could be good, but we don't really have anything that most of these guys have gone through. And... 
I've warmed up to it a lot more. I think so many other people have because when you look at the fit, he's a combo forward that can he can shoot, he can guard multiple positions. He's a team player. He's a he looks like he'll be a very good role player for a good while. And shooting is something they need, and so when he does arrive and if he can make the adjustments, I think he'd be a really good addition to that team. I wonder why they didn't like Alexander Walker. I, I think he would have been a good fit, right? And they need a guard, so I wonder what made them pass there. He went next to uh, to New Orleans, of course. Other than that, I, I thought, you know, based on who was left on, on the board, I, I think he was a, a, a fine pick for them, upside pick. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the only thing with Alexander Walker is he looks like he'll be more of a complimentary ball handler, a guy that you have as your secondary playmaker alongside a lead guard. Now we have Markel Fultz waiting, and he's had about a year to develop and heal. And reports are that they're very high on him, and maybe that's just optimism. They don't want to look like idiots for trading for a guy who's not going to be anything. Or maybe he actually looks good. They have a good bit of cap space, especially if Nikola Vucevic and maybe Terrence Ross don't come back. So, And people think the Magic are in play for D'Angelo Russell, so they might not have seen Alexander Walker as the best fit next to Russell. We're going to do a later podcast where we talk about the best fits for the top free agents. And Russell is a team that I think three teams think they have a good shot at. And uh, uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. But, yeah, that could be it. Maybe they maybe they think they're going to they're gonna get Russell. We mentioned uh, Alexander Walker. I think a really good pick at 17. Top guy on the board for me at this point. You mentioned him as a secondary ball handler. I think he'll fit well with that young core there. So if it's you. In a vacuum, all things equal, Alexander and Hayes or anybody you could have had it for, who, who would you take? I'll take Alexander Walker and Hayes just because, as I've said on previous podcasts, you have your star in Zion. You better, you better assume he's going to be a star. And you don't necessarily need to swing for the fences right now. And especially in this draft, which is really seen as a three-player draft, maybe four if you're high on Darius Garland, but... You can afford to take a swing for the fences in a later in a draft one or two years down the line when it's a deeper draft, like if it's a draft of last year's quality. So they played it safe. They got two role players that really fit around what they want to do with Zion. Yeah, I don't want them to be too conservative here, and it was conservative to kind of multiply these picks. But I like Walker as a player and a person. I, I like his maturity. I like the program that he came from. I just like his grit. So you are exactly right. He'll be an excellent role player, at least for them. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think he's uh, just another good piece for them, and we'll, uh, they're going to bring in, bring in a bunch of guys and see who fits. I talked on this podcast last week that they just need depth, if anything else, and uh, they, they certainly went in that same direction. Really intriguing uh, about Goga Badazzi. It's 18. I think he's a good, appropriate pick there, good value there. They already have two bigs, so what's your prediction on the musical chairs that's obviously going to go down in Indiana? What What's their plan with their other two guys? Does this signal something there, or are they just going pure value on their board? I think it was more of a pure BPA move because now you have Thaddeus Young and Miles Turner as your two starters. Miles Turner looks like he has a defensive player of the year in his future, as well as really showing that he can be a floor stretcher at, at the five. DeMontis Sabonis is one of the best six men in the league. But he also is up for an he's also up for a contract extension soon, and they've already paid Miles Turner, so you th- 
I think that Bedotsky is kind of the fallback if something happens with their current three bigs. I think he and Sabonis can fit with some lineups off the bench, depending on who they're playing. And obviously he provides depth in case of injury, which you always want. So the Spurs pick at 19, uh, Luka Samanich, a guy most NBA fans have never heard of, but the Spurs are the ultimate benefit of the doubt drafting team, right? So what do you know about him and what's the fit? Well, one, he's a skilled white Euro guy, so and they've had success with that before. So right off the bat, I think this is a good pick. And he's a skilled offensive five that has shown the potential that he can be a plus defender on the interior, but as far as his mobility and perimeter defense, it's not really there yet. But obviously his offensive game is really what they're looking for because the Spurs, at least as long as they have Greg Popovich, are always going to be good. Are always going to be a good defensive team. You don't really have to worry about the players. An elite defender helps, but it's not like he's going to sink the team. And so just getting a guy who can come off the bench and score and get buckets, it's it's really good value, especially right at pick 19. From what you understand, is he going to come right over and play next year? I think so. I think he will because there's been no inclination that he won't. I certainly see a role for him for the Spurs where he'll get decent playing time right away. So the last pick we'll talk about today, Matisse Thibel, a guy you were uh, big on. There was some movement here. The 76ers, I don't think they did a good job keeping this secret. So they had to trade up to get this guy. And um, he's a Washington wing uh He's known as the best perimeter defender in college basketball uh, last year, but he is uh, very limited um, offensively, I would say, and uh, I think he's 21 at least. But he seems like a really good, high-character kid, and they need a guy on their bench that can just come in and play D and play his role and not take up a lot of um, of usage. So they were looking for a guy. Obviously, they're win now. What do you what do you think about Thibel's fit in Philadelphia? Quick correction: He's actually the best defender overall in this draft. Do not besmirch his name. I know. Last week you you corrected me on that on the podcast too. So he's the best perimeter defender and best overall uh, defender, I guess, in college basketball last year, right? His oh, steals yeah. and block rate was just absurd last year in, in the Pac-12. Yeah, he averaged over five point five combined steals and blocks as a guard. Wow. He's, He's an elite. He's an elite, elite defender at least at the college level. And he's and got the, elite length, right? He's just a yeah. really physically plus seven of, wingspan. Wow, that's what we like. Obviously for Philly, at least what we saw in Game Seven, where it was really just their starting five, and they really didn't have anyone else off the bench. I'm really happy for Thibel because he'll get to come in and play right away. Because, well, they don't really have anyone else, so of course he's going to get playing time. And his role is very projectable because he's still going to be a good defensive wing. He's shown that when he's left open, he can hit the three. And it's really just, he doesn't have the confidence to be a focus point on the offense just because that's not his game. And with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, maybe Jimmy Butler and or Tobias Harris, you don't got to worry about offense on this team. No, I wouldn't say. And I think they're going to try their best to bring those guys back. I think everybody on that team... Even Reddick included says we were a bounce of the ball from maybe winning a championship. I know that's what they're going to think. So a part of me thinks uh, we'll see some movement for those guys. But with what happened in Golden State, you wonder 
if Philly, all those guys might get together and make a run at it. Well, that's what we have for today. We're going to give you a lot of content this week. Uh, going to get Landon's takes on uh, the last 10 picks of this draft, and then we're going to head full in to uh, do some profiles on where these guys, where these top free agents really, what their options are, and where we think they're going to end up. So we'll talk to you soon.